One of the uh, one of the challenges with having such a great worship team is having to follow a time of worship like that, you know. Well, the sermon better be good. That's all I gotta say. Great job. Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're continuing with our series on Psalm 119, uh, called "Loving God's Word" or the subtitle "Open Heart Surgery." And we've been talking about it because. I was just talking to somebody before the service. I'm, I'm restudying all this stuff I learned in Psalm 119 like 23 years ago, and it's kicking my can all over again. So now I'm taking it out on you uh, with that. So um, just keep that in mind. This week we're talking about uh, uh, Gimel. That's the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet. This is verse 3, and I've titled the message Separation. It's actually pretty amazing because all through this passage... There is this idea of separation, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what I want you to see is if you were here last week or if you saw it on YouTube, this stanza is actually a conclusion to the one that we studied last week about how, you know, answering the question, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? And we talked about that last week, and we talked about the idea of leaving uh, the scripture said in Psalm 119 that we wander as if we're in a drunken stupor. And it wasn't just about addiction to drugs or it was also about addiction to uh, immorality or addiction to arrogance, an addiction to things of the world. Any type of sin that drives us so much that we walk around unaware of the consequences, but we don't care because we want to participate in that sin. And then how God's word takes us from that drunken stupor to sober wisdom. Well, the step one of the separation that we're talking about today is to, is to be weaned off our addictions to this world. The love that makes us pursue these desires as though we are in that drunken stupor. And today's passage actually explains step one of your transition from, sober wisdom, uh, from drunken stupor living to sober wisdom living. And some of you have messaged me during this week and I saw some of your Facebook posts that this idea of sober wisdom had really opened your eyes to some things. Well, today the psalmist continues in context that concept of how do we go from immaturity to maturity? How do we begin to actually, I mean, it's good in theory to break our bondage to sin, but in reality, what is the first step to begin to break our bondage to the prison that is loving this world more than God? And the poetic imagery in this verse is just beautiful. And there are three images of separation. And then at the end of the stanza, he ends it with a, with a vision and a picture of joining together. So there's three things he talks about separating out. And then there's a third thing, where he, a fourth thing where he says, and we join together. So part one is separation from immaturity. Psalm 119, verse 17 to 18. We're doing 17 through 24. And this is verses 17 to 18. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So let me give you my journal uh, entry from 22 years ago about this passage. This is what I wrote. I never realized how immature and arrogant my Bible reading is. I expect to see things others can't see. That I am smart enough to uncover wondrous things with my own eyes and mind. And I never realized how helpless 
and immature I am to see things without God revealing them to me. I need God's perspective of his word, not mine. Starting today, I will beg God to open my eyes when reading his word. So that's what God did in my heart as I studied these first two verses. And I want to show you some words today. The first one is this idea of deal, deal bountifully. The Hebrew word is gamal. And it's, it's actually right here in, most, in almost every English version I found, it's a bad translation. Because in context, what he's talking about in the verse before is how can a young man cleanse his way? How can somebody who's immature cleanse his way? So the first verse of this one, actually the word means, I mean it can mean to reward, but in context what the psalmist means is this, to fully wean, to ripen, to complete a child's nursing. Do you see the picture the psalmist paints here? He says, God, wean me away. Deal bountifully with your servant means wean your servant. Wean me off my love of this world. Incredible connection, is it not, to last week's stanza about how a young man can cleanse his way? The psalmist here is begging God, please reward my pursuit of you by maturing me. Wean me off. Separate me from the world that I adore. It's really, in reality, supernatural humility as he thinks of himself, as he's reading the Bible, he thinks of himself as a child that needs to be weaned. Separate me, wean me off childishness, ripen my spiritual maturity, so why? So that I can keep your word and so that I can live together with it. And how does the psalmist believe this will happen? The next word, wondrous. This Hebrew word is palal. You notice how they rhyme. To separate, to dis, uh, distinguishable things, wonderful, hidden things, separate things. So what he says is, separate me with things that you separate from God's word that others can't see. He is asking God to separate out wonderful things from God's word as he reads it. Things others aren't able to see. And what he's saying, it's more than just understanding he wants to see amazing. He wants to see distinguished, hidden things, wondrous things, if you will, wow things. He wants to have times when he reads the Bible and he says, wow, I never saw that. He's saying, God, separate me from the world by separating out wow things in your word. In other words, what he wants to do is stop eating like a baby. He wants to eat like a man, like an adult. He wants to be mature. And it's outlined for you, the concept is in Hebrews chapter 5, 12 to 14. Let me just read this. For this time, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unpracticed or unskilled in the word of righteousness because he's a baby. But solid food is for the mature, those who have been weaned off the world, is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment exercised by reason of use and are able to distinguish what is good and what is evil. You see what happens here? He says in the verse, wean me off so that I can keep your law. What he says here in Hebrews is, 
Help me to eat meat so that I can practice it so I can know what is your law. I can know what is good and what is evil. And the psalmist is saying, separate me with things that you separate out. See the, see the poetic, hidden kind of uh, Hebrew flow in that? So that's the first part. Part two is separation from the world. So this is the, this is the third time he talks about separation. The first is weaning. The second is wondrous things or separate things from your word. The third is separation from the world. And here's my journal entry when I hit this one the very next day. It amazes me how many things distract me from reading God's word. I wish my hunger for God's word was as strong as my appetite for a value meal at lunch. And let me tell you, at this time, I loved me some value meals, dog. So much that I would usually get a number four and a number seven. Upsize both, Scotty T, is that right? Oh, and 40 packs of ketchup, please. Thank you. Oh, act like y'all don't dip your burger in your ketchup. Go ahead, pretend. Nothing around me helps me spend time in God's word. You ever felt that way? Outside of the gift of faith and the supernatural desire to know him better. And what I was recognizing as I read this is my world is filled with things that keep me from finding wow things in scripture. And this really began to have an impact on me. And let me just read the passage to you in Psalm 119, 19 to 24. I am a sojourner. In other words, I am a temporary traveler on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. There's that drunken stupor phrase in there again. People who are drunk in stupor and they wander away from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They have become my counselors. And he wants to separate from the world. He wants these wow things in the scripture to be so powerful that they wean him off his love of the world. He wants these wild things to be so good, so amazing, so strong that they make a Ferrari look like a Hyundai from the 80s. Not the new ones. The new Hyundais are really nice. So I meant the ones in the 80s, right? My wife drives a Hyundai. I had to you know, clarify that. Well, if you don't like it, you got to get me a new one. So I don't want to do that. So. Weaning in the sense that it separates him from how, he, how the world lives thinks, and derives its motives for living. Think about it. If you're walking about in a drunken stupor, your motive for living is very different than someone who is walking in sober wisdom, who has wondrous things revealed to them in his truth. A couple words. Sojourner, one on a temporary journey, one who is staying at a place for a particular Amount of time. The psalmist here believes that because of what God's word is doing, because God's word is weaning him off his love of the world, and he's showing him things that are separated out from God's word by the power of God, he believes he is a foreigner, a stranger in the world. He's just here. Yes, I'm here. I've got things to do, but this is not what I love. What I love is eternal things. Then there's another word, hide. It means 
to hide by covering, to keep closed, conceal. And he says, hide not your truths from me. Here the poet repeats again the theme by stating the reverse. The first one he says is, open my eyes. Then he says in Hebrew, which Hebrew often does, it will say the same thing in a different way. Like, I went to the store to get milk. Yes, I drove to 7-Eleven and got dairy products. That's the example of Hebrew scripture. He says, open my eyes that I might see. Hide not your truth that I might hear. First, he asks God to reveal them. Then, as many songs do, he repeats the prayer using a different phrase. He asks God to not hide. Hide not things that are by default hidden from those who do not have the gift of faith. He's saying, God, this gift of faith that you gave me, because faith is a gift. It's not by works or else you'd brag. This gift of faith that you've given me, enhance it, make it stronger, make it more powerful. Give me eyes that see things that others cannot see. He describes in this passage what life is like in the world without God's word. He says, you rebuke them. They're drunk and wandering. I don't want. They have a life of scorn and contempt. They are susceptible to the traps in this world that burn our lives to the ground. And the tendency is for us to trust the wrong type of wisdom and the wrong type of counselors. We trust the counsel of this world. And that's what it means. He says, I don't want to be someone who trusts the counsel of the world. It's hard to see God's word from God's eyes when your vision is obstructed by love of the things around you, is it not? And you know what's interesting? It's not just the, you know, we always like to blame it on the world. Like this, this is, you know, like it's the famous they. It's the world. But you know what else the world is? It's the world we construct around ourselves that obstructs us from wild things in Scripture, is it not? We, don't, we always want to blame it on the world's sinfulness and the world's uh, you know, depravity, but we have our own depravity that contributes to the world's depravity. And the very, the very first thing that is an obstacle for you seeing wow things, wondrous things in Scripture is the world you build around yourself, your condominiums of sinfulness, your strip malls of sin. You spend so much time building them in your relationships, in your job, in your school, in your habits, and all these things. And what is happening is you fall in love with them, and you have to start by saying, God, wean me off my condo of sin. Wean me off my strip mall of immorality. Separate me from it. How? By separating out wow things from your word that make me fall out of love with what is temporary and in love with what is eternal. This is the word of God separating the psalmist from trusting the things that he can see to putting his trust in sober wisdom. And part three, joining with sober wisdom. So you see three things of separation, right? And this is the fourth thing where there's a joining. The last image is being joined with, identifying with the counsel and wisdom of God's word. He says, your word has become my counsel. He's rejected the counsel of the world and he's accepted the counsel of God. Your word has become my sober wisdom. And this is the ability to look at a really tempting world and know there's nothing that anyone can say or do or anything that the world can offer that will separate you from loving God's word. The word of God will remain the center of your life no matter how nice a car you get. 
And this happens when we start to recognize the momentary, temporal nature of the world around you. Yes, even the one you've built. And you can't see how temporary the world is unless God has allowed you to see wow things first. I have some verses for you. Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The idea of eternity. 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, there's that word that was just in the psalm, as temporary travelers and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, the drunken stupor, which wage a war against your soul. In other words, which fight to keep you from seeing wild things. There's another one. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where a moth and rust destroys and where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there's where your heart is also. And if your heart has begun to be weaned off the love of the world and, le- and weaned onto wild things in Scripture, you begin to lay up treasures that are eternal instead of temporal. And I love this next one, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light momentary burden is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not on the things which we can see, but on the things which we don't see. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that we don't see are eternal. Can you see how it's supernatural for you to be able to stop trusting in the things you can touch and feel and begin to trust in the things that are eternal? For faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, time in God's word, and this is what I'm trying to get across to you in this series on Psalm 119. Time in God's word, I promise you as your pastor and friend, Time in God's word will cause your love of temporary things to start to fade. As passion for God's wild things crowd out your love of temporal worldly things and the world's counsel and wisdom. And this becomes outwardly evident to those around you by your decisions, your relationships, and your sober wisdom. Look, I'm not talking about perfection. I want to relieve you of that burden. I'm not saying that if you start reading God's word, you won't sin anymore. That's not true. My wife will tell you. (laughs) But what you will have is not perfection, but what you will have, if God is starting, if God is really weaning you off your love of the world, there will be an unmistakable direction. And frankly, I'm seeing this in many of you. I'm seeing it in many on Monday nights, On Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday morning, I am seeing some of you slowly be weaned off of your love of the temporary world. Things, by the way, that I used to adore. Things that are still very tempting, 
But as God matures you and weans you off immaturity and helps you as a young person cleanse your way and as he separates you by weaning and he separates wondrous things out from your law, you know what happens? You begin to separate from the world around you. And when you separate from the world around you, you have one place to go that will satisfy you. And that is joining with godly wisdom and counsel. All this sounds great, right? I mean, it really starts very simply with a short prayer that we find in verse 1. He says, wean me. Wean me off the world and open my eyes to wow things. Do you hear how simple that prayer is? Wean me off the world and open my eyes to wow things. That's it. That's a simple, short prayer. Because what we realize is it takes supernatural intervention to find things so wondrous that they can wean you off your love of this world. This is not something you can do with just discipline. Now, discipline will be a result of the prayer, but it is not where the power is. The power of being weaned off your love of the world is wow things in Scripture. So much so that the last verse is true. He says, in the last verse, I love it what he says, your testimonies are now my love. Your testimonies are now my delight. They are my counselors. And he describes a complete 180. I used to love this. You weaned me off of them. You separated out wonderful things. You separated me from the world. And now I love this. And it's supernatural. So know what you got to do? You better ask for it. Every day. You know what I just did here? I asked you to be spiritually disciplined. I asked you to pray. One, two, three, four, five. I'll count the and as a word. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Twelve words. Every day. Wean me off the world and open my eyes to wow things. How many of you guys think you can do that? Is that simple enough? Can you really? I mean, some of you maybe. I mean, for real, how long does a prayer like that take? I mean, it's short enough. We could do it on a daily basis. Maybe twice a day. I know I'm pushing it. Are we, get this now, this is where, the, this is where the, pa- the passage really slapped me in the face and it might slap you. Are we so distracted by the world around us that we can't even make a three-second commitment to ask God to wean us off of it? Are we too distracted or too busy? If we are, then that is proof that we are in love with the temporary world and you desperately need to be weaned off it. So I'm asking you today to trust me. This is what the psalmist says. He says, wean me off the world. Separate me from it so that I can love eternal things. It's a very short prayer. If you didn't write it down, it'll be on the YouTube channel later on today. You can write it down. I I would love 100% of our church to start praying that four-second prayer every day. Heavenly Dad, turn our eyes away from the world. Separate us. Wean us off of it. It's an addicting place. Give us love for your wisdom. Make it our counselor. In Jesus' name, amen.